This is the Bulls Talk Podcast. I'm Casey Johnson, joined today by a full house. Rob Schaefer, Tony Gill, and Kendall Gill. The Gill brothers, not really. Coming up on the show, we're going to get Kendall's thoughts on the bulls Bucks series, how important X-Factors like Patrick Williams and Kobe White are. Kendall will also reveal a strategy he sees the Bulls could employ to slow down the Greek freak. And we'll also get into my all-NBA teams. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Uh, I just don't see a strategy that the Bulls can use to stop anybody. That's what we got killed on. Yeah, I I, I have one. All right. All right. Welcome into the Bulls Talk podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks for joining. We are in playoff prep week, and we are pleased to be joined not only by Rob Schaefer and Tony Gill, the the regulars, but we've got star of pre- and post-game live, star of Ridge Central High School that couldn't beat Evanston Township High School. Illinois. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> Kendall Gill is in the house and we were talking a little bit offline. Uh, I mean, Rob and I earlier in the week, Kendall uh, take the podcast where we just kind of said, this is our, our opinion was this is the worst possible first round matchup you can have beyond the fact that they're the defending NBA champions and have a lot of talent, just stylistically, the way they play, the way they defend, the depth they have. How do you see this series? And then we're going to get into a little strategy because you uh, share with us, you've got a little, you got a secret yeah. sauce. So uh, how do you see this series sauce, playing out? Well, yeah, you're absolutely right in saying this is the worst matchup that, that we could get because I think that we match up just horribly with Milwaukee. Um, and they're the NBA defending champs, and they're strong at every position, including the bench. Um, you know, it's, it's going to be tough. It's going to be a tough road to hold. But listen, I was on the Seattle Supersonics back in 1994, first number one seed to be beaten by an eighth seed. So I know it's possible. Okay, and we were loaded at every position. We were loaded, even coming off of the bench. Okay. The Denver Nuggets, who were the eighth seed, they actually were playing not that well at the end of the season, just like the Bulls were. Uh, and, you know, came in overconfident, won the first two games by blowouts. Then we proceeded to lose three in a row. And I believe it was the overconfidence that we had that cost us that series. And then once you give a team confidence, man, you know, then it could be a snowball effect. And, you know, that's what happened to us in uh, Seattle. Now, that being said, what the Bulls, in my opinion, have to do is defensively change up their scheme. And, and, and this is the one thing I, I played against uh, when I was in New Jersey. We were we needed to win the last game of the season to go to the playoffs. Yeah, we ended up playing the Bulls, but at least we got to the, to the playoffs. I mean, we were, we, were the, we were the sacrificial lamb in the last dance, the first playoff series. But – we made it, 
And, and here's how we did it. So Alvin Gentry, who was the coach of the uh, Detroit Pistons back then, they, the Detroit Pistons had been eliminated from the playoffs. And he wrote up on the board before they came out on the court for the last game of the season, we ain't going, they ain't going. So they gave us the best effort. The ball boy came back and told me what was written up on the board. So I'm like, okay, we got to change the strategy. Grant Hill, who was a superstar then, but in the third hardest player I've ever had to guard, was aiming to have a big game. Okay, so what I decided to do, since I since I drew the assignment on, on him, what I decided to do with Grant is that I noticed, just like Giannis Antetokounmpo, when Grant gets a running start at you and gets in rhythm, he will destroy you. So what I decided to do, pick Grant Hill up in the backcourt one possession, pick him up three-quarter court one possession, pick him up half-court one possession, then lay off of him for two possessions, now go back and repeat the same thing. That's what you have to do to Giannis. Grant ended, I, I ended up taking 25% of Grant's game away from him. If we can take 25% of Giannis Antetokounmpo's game away from him just by using that strategy, I think that we got a chance to pull off an upset. And what better way to do it than with Pat Williams, who is coming off a career-high 35-point game and has played the way that we thought that he could play as the fourth pick in the draft. You know, Io also having a career-high 26 points. These guys have great confidence now coming off of that game uh, in Minnesota. So if I'm Billy Donovan, I change up the defensive scheme on Giannis. Other guys, you know, you play, play similar basketball. But with Giannis, when he brings that ball up the court, you press him, you turn him. You make him do things that he is not used to doing, and I guarantee you it's going to take a large part of his offensive game away. Well, a couple things. Uh, first of all, you're absolutely right. When Giannis gets ahead of steam, it's, it's over. It's, it's all over. So that yeah. I do agree with that. Uh, my next obvious follow-up question is, where were you when Dikembe Mutombo was laying on his back, holding the ball and crying tears of I was, joy? I, I, was standing right, I was standing right next to him, and I'll tell you, I want to do one of them WWE suflexes on him. <laughs> 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 but I, but I'm, not here to, I'm not here to open up old wounds. So. <laughs> you, just, you, just, you just opened up an old wound. Exactly. All right. Everybody well, picked us to win the championship that year. Yeah, I know. I remember that series very well. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, we're, we're not. We're going to move on to the four, to the president. I'm going <laughs> to keep this to Rob. But no, you bring up a good point. I you do need to you do need to do something against Giannis and give him different looks when he gets ahead of steam. It's all over. Um, what does that matchup look like though? Because <clears throat> you know, Rob and I were actually talking earlier today. Like, what is going to be the starting lineup? Does he go Io? Does he go Patrick? Does he go Caruso? And what in the non-Patrick minutes on Giannis, who draws it? This time? What's your what's your guess? I would, yeah, I would, I would give it. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, go KG. Go. I would, I would give it to Derrick Jones Jr. Um, if Giannis is bringing the basketball up, because Derrick is long, he's rangy, he's athletic, he can move. Um, <clears throat> you know, the one thing that I, I I just recently saw Giannis with his back to the basket, shoot a turnaround jump shot maybe uh, the other day, I don't know what his post game is like. What Giannis likes to do is get the basketball, get ahead of steam, and bully you all the way to the basket. So if Pat Will is not in the game, I'm going to give that assignment to Derrick Jones Jr. or uh, Javante Green. Yeah, even and even though he's he's pulled up his jump shooting numbers this year, like he's developed that, that's still a shot you'd live with, right? Like that's the yeah, way yeah. he's going to beat you. 
that you want him to beat you. My fear with the Derek Jones Jr. idea, and I, and I agree he's worth a look in this series. He was in the rotation the last few games. I worry that with this team back to as close to 100% as they can be without Lonzo, mm-hmm. with Caruso back, that he might fall back out. And my answer to that, Casey, one, well, we don't know exactly what Billy's going to do with the starting lineup. I, I would guess he starts Patrick Williams just because I feel like you have to. In the off minutes, my inclination is that we'll see a lot of Tristan Thompson. And we might see that double big look again, which has been, to put it diplomatically, spotty in, in limited minutes. Um, but, I mean, I asked Vooch about that the other day. He said it was something they were working on in practice this week, trying to get a little bit more continuity with it, trying to work on it a little bit more. That lineup and that look would not surprise me. Um, but, you know, all this stuff could easily get thrown out of, rack to, out of whack, too, because the other thing with Giannis, no matter how you defend him, he's going to get guys in foul trouble. Like he, you know, they, the, the Bucks. I was looking at the numbers on this the other day, have like a 10 or 11 plus 10 or 11 advantage in free throw attempts in the four matchups with the Bulls this season. And yeah, has taken over 11 a game. I mean, he's taken over 11 a game generally, but against the Bulls specifically um, with the size disadvantage they play at, they're just more prone uh, to being a little bit foul happy in that matchup. So yeah, I, I think Pat is obviously the first option. I think, you know, some combination of Tristan, Derek, Javante, Kind of whoever is is matching up best that night, and whoever's not in foul trouble, the Bulls are going to have to be flexible um, because you know the, the, with with the way that the whistles are going to go, I can just see it happening because of how physically the Bucks play and how much that's been an issue for the Bulls at times this year. I can see that throwing a wrench into some of their rotations as the series goes on. And that's the that's the fine line that they're going to have to you know play with. Like if they implement the strategy that KG is kind of presenting of you know, aggressive, you know, in the in the backcourt, um, making sure that he doesn't get ahead of steam. That means it's a possibility there are going to be a lot of hands on Giannis. And depending on, you know, how, you know, those refs, you know, feel how they want to call, you know, the game, uh, we could be looking at Patrick Williams with two fouls early in the first. And then that kind of moves, you know, everything out of whack, like Rob was saying. Um and in terms of footwork, I, I believe that Derrick Jones can certainly keep up with, with Giannis and I think deserves a look. Um, but Derrick is like tall man. He's not really big man. <laughs> and, and and that makes Giannis such a like a unique player, right? It's his combination of foot speed and strength. Um, and the only the, the only thing close to that that you can kind of hinder him with is Patrick Williams and making sure that he stays out of foul trouble as much as he can. Um, because once he kind of goes down, um, you know, with fouls, like it's, I mean, good luck. Yeah. Can I, yeah can but, Tony, I, you, but Tony, you got to, you got to, you got, you got to make a guy do what he's not used to doing. You got to take him in the deep water and drown him. That's, that's what you got to do. And that's what, where you drown him, you drown him in the backcourt. You drown him at half court. You make him do things that he's not used to doing. When he gets that basketball, turn him, turn him, turn him, turn him. And, one, he's going to expend energy, and also it's going to take time off of the clock. They're not going to be able to get into their sets. So, mm-hmm. and Giannis brings the basketball up quite often for that team, mm-hmm. and especially in, in in transition situations too. Kendall, I have a question for you on Patrick Williams because he's an X factor in the series. Like, there's no doubt about that. He is. He is. How I missed a lot of the conversation you guys were having offline because I was a little late. But what? How encouraged were you by what you saw in the Minnesota game? And I know the counterpoint to it has been, oh, you know, this guy wasn't playing. This guy was playing. It was a meaningless game at the end of the regular season. But how much do you think Pat can take away from that game and reasonably impact the Milwaukee series? 
He needs to try and duplicate that game each and every time. I love the way that he took the initiative and handled the basketball himself. He ran the point guard position. If you guys look at how what he did, he got a lot of hockey assists the other night, you know, where he set up the man that that's with two passes away, all because of his ability to drive the ball to the basket, draw a double team and kick it out. And and he knew exactly where his teammates were when he was doing this. And and I, I love the way that he took the basketball specifically on Okogie, who's a pretty good defender mm-hmm. of Minnesota Timberwolves, and just said, look, I'm bigger than you. I'm faster than you. I'm more skilled than you. There's nothing you can do to stop me. And if he has this attitude, guys, I'm telling you, if, if he has this attitude and we can do what I, I, I recommended to Giannis, I think this is a whole different series than everybody thinks. And maybe... Just maybe I'm hoping that this is the awakening and the beginning of the Patrick Williams era. That would be big. Um, let's let's move it off of Giannis because obviously he's the most the, the biggest focal point and and certainly the the best player on the team. But this is a very deep team too. Um, they come at you a lot of different ways. They can play a lot of different ways. Either Brooke Lopez at the five or you know Giannis at the five, even Bobby Portis at the mm-hmm. five. So uh, Kendall, you. I want to get your uh, insight into how different playoff basketball is to regular season basketball. And then my follow-up question is, how much do you see Io DeSumo playing in this series, given that he is a rookie and, and experiencing playoff basketball for the first time? Well, I see him playing. A, I first get into Io. Uh, I expect him to play a great deal because of, one, the, the, the career – high 26-point game he came off of the other day. He's, he's been playing solid basketball all season long. And also, Lonzo Ball is not in the, in the rotation. You know, so if Io can can play the way uh, that he's been playing throughout the season, I, I think that he's going to see a lot of playing time, specifically on Drew Holiday as well, because, you know, Drew, even though he handled Io pretty, pretty handily uh, throughout the season, you know, I, I hope that Io learn some things, you know, learn how to guard him, you know, because actually just like Lonzo Ball is so important to the Chicago Bulls, Drew Holiday is the same way with the Milwaukee Bucks because, you know, the guy, I mean, without Drew Holiday, they don't win a championship last year. Without Drew Holiday, they are not the team that they are right now. Uh, so I expect that Io is, is going to get a lot of playing time. As far as playoff basketball, it all comes down to execution when it comes to the playoffs. You pretty much know all the plays that they're going to run. You face this team several times. You're going to see them a guaranteed four t- four games. So it becomes all about: Are you going to be able to stop me from running my stuff, or am I going to be able to stop you from running your stuff? That's all it is, and the intensity goes up. Um, you you, you know, were I don't know uh, how uh, we will. We I don't know how. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead, Casey. No, you. I'm sure I don't remember. know how it will. I don't know how it will turn out with uh, Demar. You know, going one on one at the end of games. You know, they may have a couple of adjustments to Demar. So hopefully, Billy will have some adjustments to that. You know, and hopefully that's P. Will handling the basketball a lot more than he did in the regular season, and creating for his teammates or creating for himself. Yeah, your first playoffs was after your third year, I, I, if memory serves. Is that right? 
Yeah, we played uh, we played the Boston Celtics and and uh, beat them in uh, I believe it was six games if I can remember that. Then we went on to play in the second round of the New York Knicks. But it, it it was it was you know the one thing I know is after after the Knicks series I was like man this is a long season man which which makes me appreciate what the Bulls did all those three peats that much more because mentally I was I was burned out by the end of the Knicks series. Yeah, and uh, I, I just I set you up with that just so you could have a happier memory than the Seattle Denver series, but because yeah. uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I knew you I, I knew you won a series that year. That's why I set you up with that. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, and let me tell you something: winning a series is great for your confidence. It's great for your maturity. You know, I wouldn't go all Patrick Beverly and the Minnesota Timberwolves, you know, celebrating <laughs> after they won the playing game, but. But it, it it does make you you happy and and you have a great sense of accomplishment. Um, Rob, you and I were talking about this a little bit in the media room today, and I'm gonna put you on the spot because uh, there's it really is kind of hard to guess. But you know, Billy Donovan has a habit of not get revealing starting lineups. So we won't know until pregame game one. Uh, how do you see the Bulls starting? I mean, obviously, it's more important who finishes. But how do you see them starting uh, game one against the Bucks? I think, I mean, I'm pretty confident on four of them, Zach, Damar, Vooch, Patrick Williams, uh, because I just think you just, you just have to, you have to start with Pat with the, with the size that Milwaukee throws at you. That's obvious where I'm torn is that fifth spot. And I see merits for sliding IO in there. I see merits for sliding Caruso in there, sliding IO in there because Billy has talked about liking that he can shoulder some of the ball handling and playmaking duties, um, from other guys, uh, you know, it, it, offensively and then defensively. I mean, obviously, Iowa and Caruso are both bringing, you know, you know, maximum effort and effectiveness on the perimeter. And Caruso, you know, from from by everyone's account, has looked much healthier. Um, you know, he's over his back thing in practice this week, so he should be back to kind of peak Caruso or as close as he could be. So I, I, I'm a little torn on where I think that's going to go because I think there is benefit to bringing Caruso's energy off the bench as the Bulls have for a lot of the season when they were fully healthy. Um, I certainly think they, they will close with Caruso. My leaning right now is towards uh, Caruso starting only because it'd be a lot to throw Io into that situation. The counterpoint is obviously I would assume it was no normal rookie necessarily. So I think he would be up to that challenge. I'm leaning Caruso right now. Billy obviously won't. Would, you know, we, we haven't even really asked him things that would get him to um, you know, imply one way or the other because he really doesn't screw with releasing his starting lineups early. Um, I lean Caruso in that fifth spot, uh, but I think it'll be one of those two guys. How about you, Kendall? I'm going to go with, with Io. Um, I think that he's going to use Caruso coming off of the bench. Yeah. Uh, you know, because you, because you need, you need production in that regard, uh, from your bench. And and also with the struggles of, uh, with the struggles of Kobe White. I think that you're going to need another veteran, you know, by his side in the game, in the in the lineup with him, you know. So that's why I lean towards Io being in the starting lineup. Got it. Um, all right, I want to move to Kobe White because Rob, you wrote about him today, and uh, from my perspective, he he could play a pretty critical role in this series. Uh, as we all know, the Bucks uh, really like to wall off the lane. Um, they're just so elite at you know making it difficult to finish at the rim. Uh, and, and they have such size and length. So three-point shooting becomes important. Rob, in your piece, you, you detailed how they've been at the top 
or near the top of the league for four straight years in, in three-point shots allowed. So that's a shot they're willing to give up. And as we all know, the Bulls have not taken a lot of those all season. And of late, they've not made hardly any. Uh, and Kobe would be a big uh, example of that. He has really slumped down the stretch here. How important do you see Kobe's role being in the series? Uh, we'll start with you, Kendall. And, um, you know, he's another guy making his first playoff experience. You know, uh, this is kind of where you show what you're made of. I mean, this is the big stage. So how do you see Kobe responding to that to that moment on the big stage? Well, hopefully he responds well because they definitely need him. You know, I think three guys are key uh, for the Bulls in this playoff run. I mean, all of them, but some more important than the others. I think Kobe is one of them. I think he needs to give us at least 15 to 20. If, we, if we're going to win the series or surprise somebody, he needs to give us at least 15 to 20 points off the bench each and every game. Uh, I think P. Will, we already discussed him, and Vucevic. You know, if, if Vucevic can can play like he was after that horrible game he had in Orlando when he started averaging 23 a game and, and was playing like a traditional big man, I think we can do some special things, maybe things, maybe even surprise the Milwaukee Bucks. But Kobe needs to be the firepower coming off of the bench. As you as you mentioned, Casey, Milwaukee is very good defensively and with their interior defense. They do not let you score at the rim. They basically want to let you see, well, see if you can outshoot us. Mm -hmm. If you can, then we'll tip your hat to us. And that's where Kobe comes in. And hopefully he's gotten over the slump that uh, that that was the cloud over his head for in the in the last parts of the season. And that, Rob, what, what about you? Yeah, the, the 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 defensive strategy that you allude to, Casey, is part of what makes this such a tough matchup to me because the way that Milwaukee plays you to beat them is out of the Bulls' comfort zone just because they've been a low-volume three-point shooting team for a lot of the season. that they, they take the right ones, um, but they just don't, especially without Lonzo, they just don't have the personnel to beat a team that way on a consistent basis unless, you know, Kobe is shooting like he was pre-All-Star break when he was up around 40% on six attempts a game. That obviously declined. Post-All-Star break, he was he shot really, really poorly actually in the four games against the Bucks this season, most notably in that first game back in January. It was the, the closest the Bulls came to beating them. Kobe was 0-9 and 3-15 from the field. Um, and he, you know, I was asking about that the other day, and he, he brought that game up and said that that game especially, and this, you know, matched my memory of that game. He missed a lot of open looks in that game because, you know, as we mentioned with the with the Bucks, their their kind of heavy shift philosophy in terms of helping on drives, they're going to give that shot up. They've been, you know, they were last in the league in terms of allowing opponent three point attempts this season. They've been either last or in the bottom three every year that Mike Budenholzer's been the coach. That's the way that they want their opponents to play. Um, so, you know, if Kobe can flip that script, the looks are going to be there for him to take advantage of. And I will say, and this is something Billy has pointed out, those those weak side, those second side opportunities that a lot of the Bulls kind of ancillary players are going to get offensively, it doesn't always have to come down to taking a bunch of jumpers and making a bunch of jumpers. You also, you know, when you throw with defense in a rotation and force closeouts, this is where Patrick Williams comes in especially. Like being decisive, attacking those can really collapse and scramble their defense and get other guys opportunities and alleviate pressure and open up space for guys like DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine. Because for them to be at their most effective, you know, they need other guys to be making plays and, and making shots around them. So to me, it's it's a broader trend of the Bulls role players needing to, to step up with the opportunities that come their way. Because 
my inclination is that the Bucs are going to force anybody else to beat them besides DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine. That's the mentality they're going to come into this series with. But I think Kobe is a little bit the poster child of it because without Lonzo, he's going to be leaned upon for a shooting. He's been struggling so badly, and he struggled so badly against the Bucs this year. And bench scoring has been a problem all season. So, you know, if he can come in and give a jolt, like remember that, remember the one blowout in Milwaukee, right? Vooch got off to that hot start, and the Bulls, I think, were tied 20 to 20 midway through the first quarter. And then the bench units came in, and Milwaukee just completely ran away with it because their role players are so battle-tested and proven. The Bulls are a little bit more inexperienced outside of Caruso in that respect. Uh, but that, to me, is one of the key kind of swing places that the Bulls can shift momentum in the series if, like Kendall said, they are going to surprise people. If only we had one of those uh, those bench players that my, uh, that Milwaukee has. Only if yeah. only. If only. <laughs> But that's, <laughs> that's but, I'm, uh, I'm, but, but I'm gonna tell you, Tony. Listen, mm-hmm. the way that P. Will played the other day when he was mm-hmm. driving to the hole decisively, after a couple times, those guys got out of his way. You mm-hmm. know, you don't want six, eight, 240 pounds coming at you full speed all the time. So, if I'm Billy Donovan, I tell I'm, I'm gonna urge Patrick Williams to try to repeat this and go through that defense. These guys aren't used to a guy that big, that athletic, that fast coming at them with reckless abandon. And once you do that, once you break through that wall, they're not so keen and to 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 get in the way defensively. I, 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 here's my question, uh, KB, and I think this in the perfect world, right? We don't have that just one game to depend on for Patrick Williams. Right. Um, we would have hoped to have seen that over the course of the year. How how difficult it is to, in terms of your suggestions, right, for the Bulls or their best chance for victory, it seems to change what they've shown throughout an 82-game season, right, where mm-hmm. they had four opportunities against Milwaukee and then a bunch of opportunities against similarly built championship battle-tested teams. Um, how do you, as Billy Donovan, say go up to Patrick Williams, right, and say, hey, we know what you did against – Minnesota in the final game, we're going to need you to do that same thing. And it will seemingly kind of disturb what they've been doing all year with DeMar and Zach kind of helming that offense um, and kind of slowing things down to where they are the primary ball handlers and scorers. And a lot of that was out of necessity, right? Because there was no Alex Caruso for the majority of the year, no Lonzo Ball for the majority of the year. How do you change the way that they've been playing for 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 you know four months four or five months all of a sudden to change when you're playing against probably the toughest opponent you know you face this year what you well what you do with billy donovan is this you have to be ready to coach like tom thibodeau you know how coach thibodeau is up screaming and everything and i tell pat will i was like you do exactly what you did in Minnesota, unless I tell you to hold the basketball up and give it to DeMar or you give it to Zach. So a lot of this is on Billy Donovan, too, to be going up and down the sidelines. Go, P. Will, go. Take him. Okay, hold up. Hold up, young fella. Pass it. Okay, we're going to run a set play. So Billy Donovan's going to get a workout. You know, he's not, he's not going to be – it's going to be on him to, to control that. That's what I would do, you know – I'll be constantly coaching Pat Patrick and, and telling him when to go and when to hold back. You know, that's what you have to do in that type of situation. 
All right. We, uh, I, I, I promised I'd get, get into my all-NBA teams this week because we ran out of time on Tuesday. I don't want to bore Kendall with that. So before we spring Kendall, we need a prediction. Rob and I made a prediction. Uh, did we make a prediction earlier in the week, Rob? We did. I, I made mine tentative. I'm, I'm publishing my preview tomorrow, and I might slightly tweak it. But it will be right. – uh, the Bucks will be winning in my prediction. That's- All right. We, but before we spring Kendall, uh, what, what do you got? What, what do you got this series going? What, what, what do I think? Yeah. <laughs> oh, see, see, this is hard. This is hard for me, guys, because I know what I should say, but I've been part of a team that lost when we were on top of the NBA, and I know how surprises can come about. But I'm still going to say Milwaukee in six. Oh, you got to win All two right. games. Yeah, I'm going to give us two games. Hey, I like those playoff checks, guys. <laughs> you don't like those playoff checks, man? <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. All right, there it is. He's he's the most optimistic of us. I, I, I jokingly said Bucks in three. Uh, which is obviously statistically impossible, but I changed it to I, I changed it to Bucks in five. I do think the Bulls will get hot one game and get one. Uh, I don't see anybody uh, picking the Bulls to win the series, and you know that 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 is known throughout the Advocate Center. That's been a constant theme this week at practice. Is these guys know um, how much people are counting them out? So we'll see how it plays out. It's going to be fun. Yeah, uh, it will be. Yep. All right, Kendall. I'm gonna go right. to the listeners with our all NBA team. So thanks for hopping on as always. Appreciate it. All right, thanks for having me, guys. All right. Yep. Thanks, all right, Hiring with Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, Rob, you, you you want to save your official prediction until uh, until uh, tomorrow when the preview. So uh, I'm leaning uh, since I said Bucks and four on the pot early this week. As digging into it more, it, it's funny because we haven't talked about this, Casey. But you just kind of said what's on my mind a little bit. Where the more I look at it, the more one of these games in Chicago, all it takes is one hot shooting night, and I could see the Bulls stealing one. And I think I'm going to end up going Bucks and five. Um, and I think I'm going to end up predicting the Bulls to steal one and then Milwaukee finishing it in Milwaukee in, uh, in five games. So that's, that's, that's where I'm leaning. Um, you know, it just doesn't, it, with this week of preparation and they're, they're resting, they're recovering, they're going to come in about as healthy as they possibly could be. Um, I think they'll have a pretty solid game plan, all things considered. And it would just, 
even as poorly as the regular season ended, it would still kind of surprise me the more I think about it to see this team go out in a straight sweep. Yeah. That's I, I, kind of where, where I've landed. Um, and since this is the last official podcast before game one, Tony, we need your prediction. Yeah. Um, it's just, I understand where KG is coming from um, in terms of, you know, trying to, what's the best case scenario for the Bulls. And it's something that they are or were perfectly capable of, but it's hard to unsee how they've played and how Billy has coached yeah. um, all year. And, and for that to change all of a sudden in a week, essentially changing how they've been playing uh, and coaching, uh, you know, for the last, what, six months, seven months, I, it's just hard for me to see that. It's hard for me to see that. And I, I think, you know, they, they have a chance if they come out, scrappy and you know to kind of stun the bucks you know maybe in the first half but once things get settled down i think milwaukee's just gonna wear them down um and it's just not even really you know the obviously it's it's you know Giannis, but that second wave of players that come off the bench it just i think just gonna overwhelm the bulls um i think they sweep the bulls um i think they keep it within 10 yeah uh but yeah i, I don't i don't know if the bulls win a game in this one that was my yeah that that was my big thing looking at it. I think the games are probably more competitive than you know the initial reaction yeah. or the the initial glance looks like it would be. But yeah, four four or five makes a lot of sense. You know what I was actually thinking about as an analogy too, and this you guys will laugh at this because of my Celtics background. Do you guys remember the 2017 Eastern Conference Finals? Remember that Cavs Celtics? It was yeah uh, after yeah. the Isaiah Thomas went crazy in the Wizard series, and then he was hurt. His hip was screwed up, so they pulled him early in the Cavs series. There was the Celtics actually took one game in that 2017 conference finals. And it's like, it's kind of how I see the formula for a Bulls win in the series, kind of where it was like Marcus Smart hit a million threes and Avery Bradley hit like a near buzzer beater that rolled off the rim and went in. I could just see a wild win like that in Chicago mm-hmm. in either game three or game four. Um, it just, it, it, 4 0, just for something about it, the more that I stared at it in my document where I'm writing this, you know, preview piece, something about it just didn't sit right with me. I don't know what it was. There it is. All right, so you have our official predictions, and make sure to check out Rob's awesome and detailed and stat-heavy and analytical-heavy and well-thought-out preview on the website, NBCSportsChicago.com, or the My Teams app. That'll be posted on Friday. And I'm just going to quickly run down. We ran out of time earlier in the week. Uh, Mm -hmm. My postseason awards, uh, always an honor and a responsibility to do the best job you can in selecting these. We did run out of time for – all NBA teams. It has been on the website for a few days, but for those of you who didn't see it, I do want to detail um, my selections um, because this is the big one. This is the one now that carries financial ramifications. Obviously, for some players, they can can make them super max eligible. And I want to get a little bit into why I struggled so much with um, four players. So my first team is uh, Devin Booker, Luka Doncic, uh, Nikola Jokic, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and Jason Tatum. And the reason why Joel Embiid is not on that is because I'm a rules follower. And it says right on the toggle menu, vote for the player at the position he plays regularly. Now, you can vote uh, Jokic and Embiid both on the first team. The toggle drop-down menu allows you to do that. I'm not going to do that because that's not where they play. They play center. 100% of both players' minutes were at center. So – I, I fully expect Giannis Embiid and uh, Jokic to be on the first team because I think a lot of people are just going to say they had the three best seasons they need to be on the first team, and that's fine. That's those people's logic. 
My logic is I follow the rules. They don't play anything but center. I don't care if Jokic handles the ball a lot. He's a center. So, uh, sorry, Joel, you are on the second team, even though you're third on my MVP ballot. So, my second team is uh, Trey Young, Steph Curry, Joel Embiid, Kevin Durant, and DeMar DeRozan. My third team is John Morant, Chris Paul, Carl Anthony Towns, Pascal Siakam, and LeBron James. As Rob knows, and I don't want to spend too much time on this, but and Tony, I want to get your thoughts on this. Um, I, I really struggled with whether or not um, uh, John Morant should be on the second team over Trey Young mm-hmm. and whether or not LeBron James should be on the second team over Kevin Durant. Here's why I want DeMar DeRozan on the second team over one of those two players. Do I think DeMar DeRozan is a better player than LeBron James or Kevin Durant? I do not. Do I think he had a more impactful season than either of those players? I do because he played 76 games and uh, Durant and James were in the mid fifties. Similarly, that's why I gave Trey young the slight nod over John Morant. John Morant to me was one of the biggest storylines of this NBA season, but he had an injury late in the season. Trey young. I don't have it in front of me, but I know he was in the mid to high seventies and games played. So he got my second team nod. Um, I'm a big fan of participation and availability. Uh, so um that's why I have uh, – it felt weird to put LeBron James and John Moran on the third team because John Moran had one of the most impactful seasons in the league this year. Mm-hmm. And LeBron James is still, you know, top three, four players in the universe. Um, but that's ultimately where I landed. Tony, go ahead and rip me now. <laughs> I certainly get your, you know, your logic. And availability is huge. Um, and considering in John Morant's case, they won without him. Um, and, and, and that was huge too, but I mean, I guess it's okay. Where do you lean as a voter, right? Is, do you want to find the best 15 players, um, and then have, you know, the, the number of games kind of sit below that in terms of, uh, priority, or is it a little closer? Um, it's tough considering that Ja was an MVP candidate for so long um, to not have him at least on the, on the second team. Um, I mean, he essentially he was an MVP candidate in the race top three, you know, all year. Um, obviously the injuries uh, were, were prevalent. Um, but I think that's kind of what you expect in terms of the, in which the style that he plays, that he's going to miss um, some games. Um but yeah, I mean, I don't have a huge problem. I mean, the 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 biggest problem is you know my guy Embiid, you know, having one of the you know best seasons in Sixers history um, that he's on the second team. But I get it. I, I I think your principled stance of following the rules on that is very honorable. But I think you're right. I think most people are gonna have both uh, uh, Jokic and Embiid in, on that first team. I agree with you, Rob. What are your thoughts on my All NBA teams? Uh, I think you got the 15 players right. And mm-hmm. on order, I can't say I have a firm take because I didn't do the research to pick the teams because I didn't have a vote. Um, I, as, as Casey, you know, and uh, like, I, I do think about this stuff and I'll read, you know, writers who, you know, publish their ballots. Mm-hmm. I'll read their rationales and, you know, I watch a lot of basketball. So I have like vague takes opinions here and there. Um, but I think, the, I think those 15 players are correct. And that would be, bottom line i i truly don't know how i would approach the um the Embiid Jokic conundrum but i think uh, hopefully at least at some point we do go positionless with this thing because 
it just you when you look at you know all rookie teams aren't all rookie teams basically positionless KC or is it is yes. it all defense that's kind of yes. like that I kind of no. don't see any reason oh sorry all, all defense is, is positional all defense is position all rookie is positionless got it so I don't I kind of don't see why it wouldn't just be the best 15 players and you could just bracket it into tiers. I, I think that's where we're, we're trending. Um, but maybe, you know, it's just going to take a few more years and a few more like controversial MVP slash all NBA races, like, like this year's because honestly, because I, I believe Embiid and Jokic were both eligible at forward last season too, but because the MVP race wasn't as contentious, I just don't think the discourse skewed towards a lot of people, you know, using that uh, loophole. Uh, but this year it has, for whatever reason, even though nothing actually changed with the rules. Uh, so maybe that's a sign that it's going in that direction. Uh, but no, I think you got the 15 right. Ja, I agree. Ja, uh, ja behind Trey uh, feels a little weird. But then when you when you present the games played argument and Trey, I mean, as much as Atlanta was under a little bit underwhelming this season, he still was a driver of efficient offense and had a spectacular offensive season. Um, so that made sense. The LeBron, KD, DeRozan thing, I don't think there's a wrong answer there. Uh, I'm sure a lot of Bulls fans will be happy that you uh, slighted LeBron James a little bit. So you, you probably earned some points there, KC. Um, but yeah, Tony, wait, I do have a question for Tony though. So is, do you have Jokic over Embiid for MVP or would you put? Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. I love Embiid, but yeah, I'm not stupid. <laughs> 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 yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, Jokic do okay. okay. All right. Yeah. yeah. All he, right. If, if I have a tall child, we will watch Nikola Jokic tape every day. <laughs> You're gonna show him some NBA tape too. He's got he's got a guard scoring package. Like yeah, that. but I mean, in terms of <laughs> athleticism, I don't think my family genes are there. I'll just be happy with the height factor. <laughs> so we're we're more skill based in this house. We're not we're not tremendous athletes. Yeah. So right. and, your, and your your third team center was Towns, right, Casey? Is that right? Or was it? Yeah, good and and I will say by toughest admissions, uh, I did debate Siakam, Jimmy Butler for that last forward spot on third team. Yeah, but I, I felt comfortable going with Siakam. Again, uh, games played played a big role in that, and Siakam also had an incredible second half of the season. What do you uh, think? Of, uh, and then Fred Van Vliet, uh, and, what's that? Fred Van Vliet. He made my all defensive team. He didn't. Uh, yeah, the, the guards are impossible to me. That to me, yeah. there's, there's those six guards are are pretty unbeatable. So who who are the next one? The next tier would be, you know, Drew Holiday, Van Vliet, mm-hmm. Donovan Mitchell, uh, Zach. You know, Zach, would, yeah, Zach would be the next at some tier. point. Yeah. It's, it, it's it's a tough time to be a guard in the NBA looking for that type of validation because the pool <laughs> is so deep and top and and elite at the top at the same time. Yeah, and I did consider Rudy Gobert for third team versus Carl Anthony Towns, but I felt comfortable going Towns. Um, so there, those are my missions. So anyway, if you have any problems with my all NBA teams, it's at the Tony Gill. You can at <laughs> him. you can at that person and uh, voice all your uh, complaints there because I won't look at them uh, if you send them to me. Uh, but there you go. Um, that is the Bulls Talk podcast. We certainly appreciate you tuning in as always and listening. And we will be coming back at you with a detailed breakdown of game one since there are 673 off days between games one and two. (laughs) So uh, we will only have one game to break down uh, next week. But we look forward to that. And uh, thank you very much for listening. We hope you enjoyed the Bulls Talk podcast. Find us on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Subscribe if you like the show. Feel free to rate and review us. New episodes are ready every Tuesday and Friday morning.